0: WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: God didn't save us by faith and then say, now you've got to work it out. And that verse that people use in Philippians, work out your own salvation, does not mean that you are to work now your way to heaven. No, God will. God works out through us the truths of the Word of God. We're not working to keep our salvation. We're just obeying because we are saved. Salvation is by grace from start to finish. And Paul said to the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh?
2: The answer to that question really should be obvious. The Apostle Paul often used rhetorical questions like this one to point out faulty logic. In this case, the faulty logic is that God would use one means to initiate our salvation, grace, and another means, human effort, to preserve it. As we'll see today on Verse by Verse, God uses one means to save and to preserve those whom He chooses, and that is grace. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying God's sovereignty and our security from Romans chapter 8 and today we come to the conclusion of a three-part message that is the third message in this series. Our text is Romans 8 31 through 32, but we'll start off today by looking at some supporting passages. Last time, Pastor Steve shared how Jude told us that as believers we are called and we are kept through Jesus Christ. Jude also said that Christ is able to keep us from stumbling and to make us stand in his presence blameless and with great joy. Well, I don't know about you, But it gives me great joy just reading that. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve shares some more wonderful assurances from the Lord.
1: How about 1 Peter, chapter 3, or chapter 1, rather, verses 3 through 6. Peter is talking to a people who are suffering, a people who had to wonder if they could keep their salvation all the way through this intense persecution. And he writes right at the beginning of his letter, verse Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Okay, you say, wonderful, but could I lose it? No, verse 5 says, who are protected by the power of God. Through faith, and it does not mean your, your daily faith. It means the faith that God's given you, that once and for all trusting of Christ. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice because you have security. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. You could not rejoice if your trials could move you away from salvation. No, but we greatly rejoice because we know it's protected by God. If it's protected by God, it's okay with me. John 17, let's look there. John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he says, and he's praying to the Father, I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them In thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Do you think God the Father would fail to answer the prayer of God the Son? Do you dare think that that's even a possibility? Of course not. Then he says in verse 15, Jesus said, I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, while we're in the world battling and struggling and involved in spiritual warfare, we are kept from the evil one ever snatching us from Christ. One final verse on this, one that maybe you've never thought of, but Matthew chapter 10. Maybe you've never thought of this in terms of the security of the believer, but Jesus has just commissioned his apostles to go out and they are going to be afraid. They are afraid of what they're going to encounter And the Lord wants them to know that you don't need to fear anybody. You don't need to fear others because they are limited in their power. And he says in chapter 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body. There's no reason to fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, your fear ought ought to be of me. Big deal about other people. All they can do is kill you physically. So what? I mean, that's the, when you think about it, it's the worst anyone could do. It's not that bad. Be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. So he says, this God is for you. Others cannot do anything but kill you physically. And even then, only when God permits it. When we say that God is for us, we are saying that he will protect us. Let me illustrate this from my own life. When I was in elementary school, probably about fifth or sixth grade, there was a big kid who used to pick on me. Yes, I'm gonna admit that. Yes, he used to pick on me. The kid must have been two feet taller than me. He used to pick on me. And one day, um, I had a friend who I told about this, and my friend was bigger than this fellow who picked on me. He was in junior high school. My friend's name was Gary, and I told him about my problem with my enemy. After that, I didn't have a problem. No problem anymore. And I would paraphrase this whole truth by saying, if Gary was for me, who's against me? And that really is the way it went. Nobody touched Kreloff, because he's got a big friend. See, that's what God is saying, and that's what Paul is saying. If God is for us, who's against you? What difference does it make? They can't touch you in terms of destroying your salvation. Heaven is certain because God is on our side. He's for us. He's not against us. A lot of people think he's against us, that God is some ogre up in heaven waiting to see us sin and destroy our relationship. And let me illustrate it again by this. We, Michelle and I have three children. All of them are walking now. And they all went through the process of learning how to walk. And uh, what if the first time our kids tried walking... I stood over them, and if they fell, I'd say, that's it. You're out of this home. You are gone. You stumbled. What a ridiculous thing to even think of. And yet there are some who think that God would do that. One sin and off to hell. You've had it. And see, we begin to categorize sins. Well, this sin's allowed, but this sin's, no, this is too much. No, no, you're gone. Yet the Bible never says anything like that. God is for us. He's not against us. We have made every provision in our home to help our children to walk. And with some, we were very patient. God is that way. God is for us, and he protects us. How do we know that God is for us? Well, everything we've read in Romans chapter chapter 8, and all of Romans tells us he's for us, if God takes a lump of clay, dead in sins and trespasses, and before we were ever born, he chose us, He predestined us, he called us, he justified us, and he will glorify us. Could we dare say that God is not for us? He chose us. I heard recently someone say, of course God chose us before we were born. He would never have chosen us after we were born. (laughs) Well, that's not really true, but he did choose us before we were born. And he knew what we'd be like after we were born. In spite of ourselves, he chose us. See, the God who chose us, predestined us, called us, justified us, and glorified us, this God is for us and no one can prevail against us no one can prevail against him to thwart his eternal purpose for us psalm 27 says the lord is my light and my salvation whom then shall i fear who psalm 46 says our god is a refuge a very present help in time of trouble who, who's going to attack and and defeat us with god being for us Now, if you have a problem with the doctrine of eternal security, maybe it's because you have a very low view of God's power. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you don't understand that this God is all-powerful, and he's all-sovereign, and it's not that God could protect us. It is that he does protect us. He's not pulling for you to make it to heaven on your own. He's protecting you so that you need never fear departing from him, and that, my friends, gives great comfort and great assurance. He's protecting you so that you will make it. He's not up there pulling for you like a cheerleader. Come on, you'll make it. I know you can do it. No, he knows we can't do it without him. That's the whole point. If it were up to me, I would have let go. But see, he holds on. Now there's another problem that people face with the Bible's teaching on security. It's not just the power of God to protect us, but it's with the grace of God to provide for us. Let's look at that in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Now, before we look at this, let me just tell you what the problem is. The problem can be stated this way. Well, we are as secure, we're secure as long as God is gracious to us. But as soon as we start living in sin, his grace ceases and he rejects us. Now, there are some who believe that. It's a problem with understanding that God provides for us even after we're initially saved. It's a problem of provision. Will he provide for me all the way to heaven? Or is salvation a free gift and then I'm on my own to work my salvation my own way? You see, this is really the heart of this problem. Salvation is by grace through faith from beginning to end. God didn't save us by faith and then say, now you've got to work it out. And that verse that people use in Philippians, work out your own salvation, does not mean that you are to work now your way to heaven. No, God, will, God works out through us the truths of the word of God. We're not working to keep our salvation. We're just obeying because we are saved. Salvation is by grace from start to finish. And Paul said to the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? What was he saying? He was saying, you entered into salvation by grace alone. Do you think now that you've got to start working to keep your salvation? Do you have to go back to the law? Do you have to listen to the Judaizers and the legalists who would tell you that salvation, uh, you enter in by faith, but now it's works that, that keep you saved? Of course not. But many believe that there's a booklet I have that says this. It's a heretical booklet, and I'm only reading it in this context. This is what it says. The Bible teaches that a child of God can so live as to be lost. Now, that's a problem. What does the Bible have to say to answer this problem? Can we live that way Is God's grace only for initial salvation? Well, let's look at verse 32 again. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? The most precious gift that God possessed to give was what? His son. There's nothing more precious than that. His own son. And did he withhold his dear son? No, he didn't. The Bible says he spared him not. You want to understand what that means, the word spared? We turn back to Genesis chapter 22. Let me show you what that means. Genesis chapter 22 opens it up for us. It is the story of Abraham and Isaac, the unique son His only son in the sense of promise. Abraham had to give up a lot in responding to God's call. Abraham was truly a believer. Abraham knew what it meant to, uh, to abandon all to follow God. Abraham gave up his country. Abraham gave up his relatives. He gave up Hagar. He gave up Ishmael. But in Genesis chapter 22, God calls Abraham to give up the ultimate and it is his only son his unique son Isaac the son of promise and we read in Genesis 22 now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him Abraham and he said here am i and he said take now your son your only son whom you love Isaac and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as one, uh, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men. And with him and Isaac his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Could anything be more uh, devastating? Man's life? Sacrifice your son? Your only son? Verses 9. 9. And following, Then he came to the place of which God had told him and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I mean, he wasn't kidding. It wasn't like, God, I know that you're just asking me and you're not going to let me go. No, he was going to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld. There's that word. Withheld your son, your only son from me. You see the word withheld in verse 12. When the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, was being translated into the Greek language. The translators used the same word for withheld that Paul used in Romans 8. For spared not. Same word. Withheld and spared are the same exact words. Just as Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, his only son, so God was willing to offer his only dear son, Christ Jesus. And there was no angel that could say, stop your arm from coming down. No, he spared him not. God did it. God did it. He didn't withhold his son from the sentence of eternal death. God poured out his judgment on his own son. Why? To save us, it's obvious. If you're a student of the Bible, you know that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him as a sin offering for us. Isaiah fifty-three ten says, "But the Lord was pleased to crush Him, pleased to bruise Him, pleased to put Him to grief." So, what's Paul's point? What are we saying here? Verse thirty-two, the end of it says this: "How will He not also with Him?" freely give us all things. You know what Paul is saying? Now watch this. It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. Since God has already given his most precious gift, his son, for our present salvation, do you think that he will hesitate to give us all the other things necessary for our ultimate salvation and glory? That's the point. If God gave you the best, do you think now he's not going to give you the little things to get you there? See, it's an argument from the greater to the lesser. God has already given his dear son to keep you from condemnation. Don't you think that he's going to hold, don't think that he's going to hold anything back now It's necessary to make sure that you get there to heaven. We look at Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verses 8 through 10 says basically the same thing, but I think it's important we see it. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, Christ died for us when we were repulsive, unlovely, rotten, wicked sinners. That's fact. Verse 9 says, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know what he's saying? If God brought you to himself when you were a rotten sinner, when you were his enemy, do you think that he will keep you now that you're his friend? Of course. If Christ loved us enough to die for us when we were repulsive sinners, now that we're saved people and we're his children, don't you think that he's going to keep us? It's obvious. See, this answers the problem that people have with God's grace in relation to our sin. If God's grace reached us through the stupendous death of his son then you can be certain that now that he's got us, he's going to keep us. Because he doesn't have anything better to give. He that began a good work in you will perfect it and continue it. Let me illustrate this for you. A number of years ago, my dad called me up on the phone and said, would you like my car? That's what he said. Well, after they picked me up from the floor and put smelling salt, I said, sure, I would like your car. Very nice car. He said, I'd like to give it to you. Well, I went down to Miami. I picked up the car. Do you think my dad, after after giving me the car, would turn and say, but I'm not giving you the keys? <laughs> do you think if I said to him, Dad, could I have the keys now to drive it home? He'd say, Stephen, I've given you the car. What more do you want? <laughs> of course not. Another illustration. If you go into the finest jewelry store in the world, and the owner of that store comes out and gives you the most costly, Beautiful diamonds he has. You ladies will appreciate this. Do you think that he won't give you a box to take it home? You see, that's that's what this is saying. God has given you the most costly, wonderful gift he had. His son. Do you think now he's going to withhold anything from you that will keep you from heaven? Of course not. It's difficult to imagine that once Abraham offered up his own son Isaac that he could have withheld anything from God. In the same way, it is impossible to imagine that God would or could withhold anything from us after giving up his own son. Whatever you need to persevere through life's struggles and trials and difficulties, and life is filled with them, God will give it to you. Whatever your circumstances are, he'll freely give you all that's necessary to keep you, to guide you, to mold you, to make you into the person that he wants you to be. Until at last you see him face to face. And as Linda sang, he'll say, welcome home, children. It's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Welcome home. You see, if you have a problem with eternal security because of of your sin, then you really have a problem with understanding God's grace. We're saved by grace and we're kept by grace. If it's any other way, then it's a work salvation. Work salvation. God is not a ruthless person. God is not looking down from heaven waiting for you to blow it. God is not saying, as I said before, you stumbled off to hell with you. No, God has made every provision for you to walk, and he'll help you to walk. Now, he's the one who lovingly sent his son to die for you. God is a lover. He hates sin, but he's a lover. He loves us. Why does he love us? Certainly not because we're lovely. No, God knew all about you and your sin before he ever chose you before he ever predestined you, before he ever called you, before he ever justified you, before he glorified you. He knew all about you. He knew how rotten you were. He knows how rotten I am. He knows that I, don't, I didn't deserve salvation when I was saved, that I don't deserve it now. But he provides, because God is a gracious God. See, he didn't spare his son. He won't go to any length to spare anything that we need for salvation. You see, he's taking care of you, and he's providing all the things necessary to make you Just like his son, and to have you make it to heaven. Let's bow for prayer. God didn't spare his son to save. Do you know that? Are there some here who have never trusted Christ? God went to the greatest length that he could go to. He gave his son. He gave his son for you, he died for you. You say, What does he want from me? You know, God wants one thing. Can I tell you one thing that he wants? He wants to be believed. That's right. God wants to be trusted. He wants you to trust Christ. God doesn't want your good works, couldn't get you to heaven. God doesn't want you to be baptized to try to get into heaven or or confirmed or be a church member. God just wants to be believed, not with an intellectual belief, but with a commitment belief. Trust Christ. Come to him. Father, I pray for the person struggling here with the need for salvation. Draw them to yourself that they might come up even after the service and let us know, let a counselor know that they need to be saved and they need to speak to them. And Father, for those who might be struggling with the issue of eternal security, may they take heart with what shall we say to these things. May they say the right things and may their response be a response from the heart of of affirming the truths of the word of God. Lord, for those who have unsettled questions, help them to be patient as weeks to come we will deal with that. We just pray that you'll help them to be fixed on the Word of God. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Amen. Now we know what God wants from us. He wants us to believe and trust Him. And when we really do that, it changes everything about us, doesn't it? It's been well said that the more we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust Him. We get to know Him more by reading His letter to us and spending quiet times reflecting on it as the Holy Spirit brings those truths to life for us. I'm glad you could be here today. Verse by Verse is a daily radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to visit Lakeside, you'll get a friendly welcome, and Pastor Steve would love to meet you. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. You can go online to lakesidechapel.com for service times, maps, and other information. Or just call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714 or lakesidechapel.com. Now here's a suggestion that I probably should mention more often. If verse by verse is blessing you, maybe you'd like to let the manager of this radio station know about it. They really like getting feedback like that. We are grateful for the stations who carry verse-by-verse and also for the generous listeners who help us pay for the airtime and other expenses. You can help through our giving page at versebyverseradio.org or by phone by calling Lakeside. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Also at our website, check out our message archive page. It's just a ticket if you missed something in this series and want to catch up or if you have a friend who can't listen when we're on the air but would benefit from Pastor Steve's Bible teaching. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. We've already seen that some people have problems with the doctrine of eternal security. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will be taking a closer look at those issues and how to answer them.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse by. We are here to give you strength between.